Anais Nin once wrote, Life shrinks or expands in direct proportion to one's courage. At every turn, fear is there pulling on us, and we decide whether or not to play along. Fear wants to fill every one of our quiet moments with dread. It wants to put a monster in every closet and a stalker outside every window. And it's so tempting to give in because we've been hurt before, so we know we could be hurt again. But we must not. We must rebuke fear at every turn. We must defiantly disobey it. As the world around us is giving into hysteria, it is especially important for us not to bend the knee. escalated to a point beyond where it really should be and a lot of that is to do with the media and you can't I'm not angry about that because hysteria is their business model so they do it all day every day it's all they do right and again not angry about that it is literally their business model they don't take it too seriously either and you know we need to be smart but we should not give in to paranoia for any reason because fear is the devil's playground. Scripture says, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. And we need to be of sound mind in a situation like this and not overestimate or underestimate. And we need to, you know, my opinion on a situation like this is wash your hands and, uh, and take medicine and after that just live. And this idea that we should all just huddle in a bunker and look for monsters around every turn. I don't think that's the way to go about this. Because sounds like fear. That's what that sounds like. It sounds irrational, perverted, distorted. We shouldn't be in some bunker, kind of, you know, in the fetal position. This is gonna pass, and it's yeah. gonna pass faster than everybody. Fear yeah. is telling you it's not going to pass. Yeah, most of us <laughs> will never get it. Most of us that will get it won't die from it. I see the good coming out of it is, is it gonna, some of us are gonna take this approach and go, yeah, we're not gonna be afraid. Some of us are gonna learn from getting afraid and looking when it's behind us and go, you know what, I'm gonna change how afraid of things I am. Yeah, even if you have it, still don't give in to fear more than you have to. Even if you have it, let's go down swinging. Let's not go down cowering. This is no time for that. That's very good. You know, it, that is very good. The, the the biggest temptation in my lifetime that I've had to deal with more repetitively than any other temptation is fear. And so it's, like you said, the scripture is we're not given a f- spirit of fear. It's a spirit, but of love, power, and sound mind. So you know what? No fear. I'm not going to do it. At least going to say I'm not going to do it, even if my emotion is still kind of still present yeah one of the cornerstones of recovery is the serenity prayer and the serenity prayer states god grant me the serenity to Mm -hmm. accept the things i cannot change right to change the things i can and and the wisdom to know the difference and so another way of saying it is tend to the garden that you can touch Uh, if, if there's something you can do to be 
smart, let's do that. And then after that, let's just live. Because if we give in to fear, we're dead already. That's real good. That's um, I wanted to read an article from The Guardian, and it is nine reasons, to, coronavirus, nine reasons to be reassured. Number one, we know what it is. The virus causing cases of severe pneumonia in Wuhan was identified within seven days of its official announcement on December 31st. Number two, we can test for it by January 13th, three days after the gene sequence was published. A reliable test was available, developed by scientists at the Department of Virology at Berlin's University Hospital. Number three, we know it can be contained. Number four, catching it is not that easy if we are careful, and we can kill it quite easily, provided that we try. Number five, in most cases, symptoms are mild and young people are at very low risk. According to a study of 45,000 confirmed infections in China, 81% of cases caused only minor illness. 14% of patients had symptoms described as severe and only five were considered critical. Number six, people are recovering from it. As the daily count maintained by the Johns Hopkins CSSE shows, Thousands of people around the world are making confirmed recoveries from the coronavirus every day. Hundreds of scientific articles have already been written about it. Vaccine prototypes already exist. Dozens of treatments are already being tested. By mid-February, more than 80 clinical trials were underway for antiviral treatments, according to Nature magazine, and most have already been used successfully in treating other illnesses. Another thing I wanted to mention is how coronavirus compares to swine flu, which happened in 2009. So I'm gonna read a few things here. In 2009, there were up to 1.4 billion worldwide cases of the swine flu. In one year, it was a global pandemic. For the coronavirus, since the breakout in Wuhan, China months ago, there have been 132,000 confirmed cases. With the swine flu, there were up to 575 deaths worldwide associated with disease over the course of the pandemic. Months into the coronavirus, there have been around 5,000 deaths worldwide. In the United States, there were 61 million cases of confirmed swine flu. Friday afternoon, and this was written a few days ago, but Friday afternoon, there were 1,264 confirmed cases of coronavirus. Comparing death tolls, the 2009 swine flu claimed the lives of 12,469 Americans. As of Friday afternoon, there were 36 deaths due to the coronavirus in the U.S. The swine flu was declared no longer a pandemic in 2010, meaning the above numbers for the disease are final. However, the coronavirus is still expected to grow. But I just wanted to mention this, um, that we really need to keep this in um, perspective. And I know that like it said, like, you know, I know that this is scary because uh, it's new and we're not sure how to combat it totally right now. But we just need to keep it in the context of other things like this that have come and gone. And in comparison to even what happened in 2009, this is not nearly as serious. Now is no time to assume that even though swine flu didn't kill us, Y2K didn't kill us, uh, net neutrality didn't kill us, like, all those things were fine through all of that, but this, this is the end. You know, um, that's just not, to live in that hysteria is to, um, is to give over our self-determination. And the other thing is to be pragmatic. Um, one of the wonderful things about America is we live in a capitalist society 
in, in a capitalist society, wherever there's money to be made, there's motive to fix something. So toilet paper, food, everything will be fully stocked more than you can buy because there's motive to do that and there's money to be made there. Another thing is that as more people have it, we will be more immune to it because um, as previous colds and flus have shown, like once a certain amount of the population has it, we, um, we become a little bit immune to it. Not only that, but we start to understand it and start to have common medicine for it in the same way we have right. common medicine for right. all other flus. This one is scary because it's new, so we don't have just uh, some easy medicine that we go take and then it's done. But we are gonna get there and most people will never get it and most people that do get it will get to see that day when they can just take medicine and it be a thing of the past. And another question too, Zach, in response to some of that is, one question is what can I learn from it? I think this is the greatest thing with the coronavirus is what it will teach us. If we're not going to be afraid, guess what? We can learn so much. And it's going to teach us so many things. We getting off our regular routine, people not going to schools and going necessarily to a lot of jobs and everything change the when the culture changes its routine, we have an opportunity to change personally. Yeah. Right, and, and so, it maybe a change of priorities. Yes. Uh, and yes. I heard someone say that, you know, when there is scarcity at a grocery store temporarily, that, you know, maybe for the first time we start to feel um, grateful for things that we couldn't normally feel that way about. You know, um, in in the way that, and uh, Dennis Prager was saying this, that people that would come to America from the Soviet Union, that the thing that would always be most surprising to them was grocery stores that you would just walk in and buy all the food you could want and you know we have no appreciation for come on um, for yeah. that and we have no appreciation for the uh, wonderful environment that we already have on every, every single day but maybe a situation like this will start to um, we'll start to have gratitude and from the gratitude we'll start to have happiness from being able to feel grateful for something that we previously took for granted as we live through this Good. hysteria, the bottom line really is most of us will never have it. Most of us that have it won't die from it. And even if you are to have it, and even if you die from it, what is the use of living in fear? To live in fear is to be dead already. 